I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. No days off! No days off! No days off! No days off! This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball! With Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Mr. Dot Commer on WEEI.com. Podcast, another edition. Uh, posts are still in the middle of quarantine, I guess. We still haven't got rid of that yet. Well, things are starting to open back up. Yes, both locally and it seems like uh, we are recording this on Thursday the 4th as of June 5th, the Friday. NFL teams are allowed to have their coaches uh, return to the facilities, which is sort of a big deal, I guess, even though we've also found out that there'll be no, um, not a lot of action at NFL facilities until training camps. There won't be any joint practices um, this year at training camps. So a lot of that is still up in the air. And I would say even in the memo from Roger Goodell telling teams that coaches can get back to work, it did acknowledge that um, those with special needs, circumstances, which I kind of, you know, you could say Bill Belichick, a guy like him, or Ivan Fears, these older coaches um, might want to take special precautions. It, it actually advised them to talk to the medical staff or their own personal physicians um, to see how they should handle it, which, I mean, obviously that's different than Josh McDaniels or Sean McVay or, you know, any of these young coaches. And right. 68-year-old Bill Belichick's in a different category where he's a, a higher risk. Um, but no, seems like there's a little bit of momentum outside the NFL world, inside the NFL world, in our real world, that maybe we're coming out the other side of this uh, pandemic, or at least in a um, intermission, I guess we could say, for the pandemic, with all these people saying there could be a second phase, a second wave down in the fall, whatever. So, yeah. But I guess before we get into Patriot stuff, we should probably hit on everything that's happening in the country this week, particularly with the McCordys sort of taking a, being one, a, a vocal part in this, with their tweet yesterday, their podcast themselves on Sunday, and then Jason was on CNN this morning. I guess that just speaks to them and how they are sort of at the forefront of all of this and like to get their opinion out there. And also, I think do it in the right way. Like, it's not in your face. It's well thought out, professional. Um, I, I sort of like their point of view, and they do it in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard for us to judge what a good way is, but um, the way I termed it on the radio the other night was they, they've sort of been suits on the ground where they've gone to 
the state legislature and really worked for, you know, funding for inner city schools and things of that nature, kind of grassroots efforts with Duran Harmon and Matthew Slater and, um, you know, sort of that angle. You know, I'll be honest, I was, you know, what we've seen over the last week um, or so since George Floyd's murder, which there's no other way to put it, he was murdered by a Minneapolis police officer. We all saw the video. Um, the, the protests, the riots, the looting, you know, where it comes from and all this. And then Drew Brees, you know, was asked a question about basically referencing Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling that took place years ago and what he expects as the season unfolds. And, you know, his comments about, you know, never, you know, the flag and never, you know, really uh, allowing for someone to disrespect the flag just blew up. And I was, I'll be honest with you, I was surprised how quickly and swiftly it was responded to by players all across everybody yeah uh players all across the league players within his own locker room I mean you know Malcolm Jenkins the his response and then um Alvin Kamara Michael Thomas Emmanuel Sanders I mean the even Marquise Colston his former wide receiver yeah I mean these are guys that he's played with forever I think probably right had friendships with um really pounced on him and um you know it's really taken off and now he issued a long apology which well first he had sort of a first follow-up with the local espn writer triplet right then he had a longer you know probably I think he, he saw like it was like it was the lead story on some news networks last night right and it, it certainly looks from afar that a lot of guys will never have the same relationship again with drew Brees. that they look, look at drew Brees differently and um, that, that's the world we live in. And, you know, I've even seen it, you know, personally and sort of this divide between cops and, you know, the families of cops and the wives of cops, how they, you know, you see it breaking out on Facebook and social media, how yep. everybody personalizes this, I guess, in a certain way. And, you know, how you personalize it dramatically affects your view. But, um, certainly this is going to be, you know, our own Ken Laird wrote a column about, you know, Belichick and should he be you know the Patriots issued a statement pretty much every team issued a statement um, but should Belichick be addressing this as he addressed it you know way back when with the kneeling and his letter to Donald Trump and and all of that um, I'll be honest and I've said this on the right I I don't have pretend to have any answers like I certainly think right you know there's it, it there's a there's great reason for a talking point because you know, as my Saturday um, co-host Mark James said, it doesn't feel like anything's changed in, you know, 30 years since Rodney King and, you know, all along the way we've seen that. And maybe that's true. I mean, I, it feels like a cynical view. Now, maybe it's been baby steps. Maybe it's been incremental. I would like to hope the world is a little better, The but yep. um, certainly there are th- those that believe it isn't. And, and I can't argue with them. When you, when you see what everybody saw and how blatant that was, it, it, it's alarming. I don't know what other word to use for everybody. Um, and with the riots and everything that's happened since, it, it's just an unsettling time. And I, I said to you, like, I basically spent the last two to three months discussing coronavirus and now social issues and race relations and riots. And it's, 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 it's been interesting. And well, I said know, I to you know. the other night when you were on during the, uh, the um, Brockton protests or, and the, the riots that ensued afterwards, you can't really talk sports when you're on the radio and this is happening 
15 nope. miles down the road from where you are. But at the same time, like, you're not really qualified, per se, to hey. – to to like give you know you're not an expert on race relations and all this stuff but like you kind of have to try to be in the world that we're in and i guess like that's that's stuff that's more important than sports right now it it's more important than sports there are no sports and i mean i i think it's good like i think more people are openly discussing the issue now than ever before i think that is a fact i think that is true you know you've even seen and i've made reference to this um, there was like a Black Lives Matter march in Japan, and the, like it's happening. Oh, yeah, in a, yeah, England too. Yeah. So it's taken hold, and we are the focal point of it in this country. Is this going to enact change? Is this going to? I think it will. I, I try to be optimistic. I think things are going to be better. We've seen, you know, entire police um, units taking a knee with protesters, and you know, I, I think that's one thing that's been underplayed personally you know, by the damn media, as they say, is like peaceful protests and, you know, police chiefs and officers embracing and joining with protesters. And I, I know some people mock that and say it's happening in, I don't know, Democratic-led cities and Democratic-led, and it's, you know, it's always going to be political. It's either Republicans or Democrats. But I think there's been some good things coming out of this that hopefully are the lasting memory and effects. And it's not just about looting and riots. And I know that gets better ratings and you're drawn to it on TV and you see it and, you know, a thousand people just silently holding a fist in the air just doesn't get the same attention. Isn't the same draw for the media, but hopefully that's the positive that comes out of this. But from our perspective in a football world, I'm interested to see, you know, certainly the, the saints are a fractured team right now. They're yep. their quarterback, their most important player, Maybe in his final season, playing out I, his. Career. I think that they. I don't know if you're gonna get to this, but they had someone reported that that they they had a previously scheduled team meeting today, and that he'd probably would address it off the top. Um, so I don't know. How do that, you address it? Like I know it's kind of already out there. I agree. Do you stand up and say I'm not a racist? I misspoke, or you know, I, I apologize. I mean, certainly you apologize, but I don't, I don't think know that it's changed much, right? You can't just move on. Oh, okay, we're good now. Like right. I, I don't. And I'll be interested to see, you know, you know, we talked a little bit about this, you and I, and I don't think I've talked about it on the air anywhere. Reading Brian Flores' statement from the Dolphins, and he referenced past relationships and some of those kind of becoming fractured or ending them. That made me think about, was he talking about anything to do with his time in New England, where he was in New England during Colin Kaepernick, Donald Trump, Bill Belichick addressing it, saying he's a friend. Tom Brady, you know, make America great again hat. He was in there. And I just wonder, was anything that he was sort of vaguely alluding to, did that relate to his time with the Patriots, people with the Patriots? And that changed him. How is this going to change other things moving forward? And how does Belichick deal with this um, moving forward with, you know, Matthew Slater and the McCordys and, you know, very strong leaders on his team that are African-American black leaders and how they feel and how they feel respected or disrespected. I think all teams are going to uh, Vic Fangio, you know, saying there's no racism in the NFL, which he smartly walked back quickly because that was a dumb thing to say. Now, I do actually think that sports are, I guess, maybe less racist than the rest of the world is how I would term it. Um, because I do think 
there is a level of meritocracy. There is a level of people like Tom Brady want to win at all costs and they wouldn't let, whether it's religious differences or racial differences get right. in the way of that. I, I do believe that, that, that win at all costs for better or worse is what the NFL is all about. But that doesn't mean there's no racism. That doesn't, I mean, you get to the ownership level, you get to hierarchy, you know, Brady got into the discussion when, you know, he talked about race in regards to being a quarterback and all that and yep. the Howard Stern interview. And he was criticized for his answer to some degree. Um, so it's there. So Vic Fangio, yeah, you said something really dumb Yep. back walked it back. You know, Drew Brees stepped in it, walked it back. I'll be interested to see where all this goes between now and, you know, end of July, whenever we have whatever training camps are going to be. But it's it's not going away, and it'll be revisited, obviously, in potential game, you know, national anthem. Right, right, right. Whatever happens there. So it's going to be a major topic, whether sports return or not. I also, before I move on, like, Every team, Bill Belichick, every coach league probably has to address it with this team at some point, correct? Or some uh, – and, and whether it's Bill Belichick or a team leader or something, like the, the whole team probably has to come together and be briefed on and go through some – and actually have a discussion, I would say. Yeah, certainly. And, I, I mean, I think Bill has to. I don't think Ken was wrong in his column um, because of his alliances to – Trump because of his alliances to the military and through his father and the respect he has. And, but also we know he has a strong relationship with Jim Brown and, you know, there are all those stories out of Cleveland that Belichick would, I believe he visited prison prisons with Jim Brown in terms of, you know, blacks over incarceration and, and sort of that whole. So Bill's an interesting guy in this area and yeah, he'll have to deal with it on some level, I would think, with his team. And you're right. I think all teams will have to because the reality is you're bringing together, you know, 90 guys. and With you know, a million different feelings, races, right. demographics, areas, like everything. And this is the predominant – it's funny because it changed quickly. You know, the we talked to Jason McCourty, whatever it was, a week, 10 days ago, and it was, you know, everybody's going to have fears – it was Jason McCourty, right, about coming back. Everybody would have fears about coming back to work. And they still have those fears. You still have the coronavirus to deal with. And now you have this larger issue and less direct issue. I mean, the coronavirus is what it is. You, you wear a mask. You, there's a vaccine hopefully coming, blah, blah, blah. Race is not quite as uh, cut and dry, obviously. And, right. and it's going to have to be dealt with by leaders. And we'll see where it goes. Because, I mean, even Drew Brees... He drew a lot of criticism, but I saw Marcus Davenport, their defensive yep. lineman, sort of stood up for Drew Brees, and he was on. So you're going to have some of that too. Oh, and sure. Like, yep. It's a it's a dicey situation when you ha when you're within teams and businesses and society as a whole, obviously. All right, into football matters now. We um not a whole lot going on, but we're trying to create content, make some content. Uh, I'm still going on with this offseason. You started your Traditional previews, um, you hit on most of the offense so far. Um, I guess, do you want to hit on some of these positional groups and battles and whatever, anyone that stand out as we get going? Well, I mean, certainly Jared Stidham is, you know, the quarterback position, Jared Stidham, obvious debate question, you know, is, is Stidham ready? Is he good enough? What happens if he isn't? Blah, blah, blah. I actually don't find that one all in that interesting. The one that I found personally more interesting is the running back one, you know, 
on the heels, you blogged Mike Tannenbaum saying, you know, Patriots have the best running back group in the NFL or one of them, which I think is funny. First of all, I debated uh, Chris Scheim, producer of the Daniel Keefe show. He was like, yeah, they're so – I go, yeah. What is Mike Tannenbaum known for? Sucking in terms of being an NFL personnel man, right? Well, that's, and, why, that's why my headline and all of his blog posts were former NFL GM. I wasn't putting right. a name to it because everyone said, well, what's he known for? Right. And – he even worked his way up. I believe he worked his way up as a cap guy, not even a, a, a football Player. guy. Scout. Um, but, yeah, so I agree they have a really deep running back group, like, of talent, but – But do they, have any, like, do they have any, like, great players in that group? Well, I mean, you can say James White is great in his role. Right, but is he a great NFL running back? No, and – so for my headline was, you know, Sony Michelle has to prove whether he's the guy or just a guy, the old jag term that Bill Parcells would use. I think he's just a guy. I think we're pretty close to that. Um, you had blogged pro football focus, put him on like they're all average team or something. Yep. 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 Um, that's the reality. He, he doesn't stink. He's not incapable of being an NFL back, but you know, I'm, wow. I can't believe I'm talking about pro football focus as much as I am. Um, his former Georgia teammate, was in their top 25 best players in the national football. I think was he Chubb really? was, I want to say 24, 27. Wow. Like, and, you know, and I, I would agree, he's a much better running back. No question. So, to me, the wild card guy is Damian Harris. Like, I also got into a fight with some people on Twitter. Oh, there's no such thing as the guy at running back. The position's useless, blah. Okay, great. So you think it's useless. I happen to think that Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey and guys like that are the guy. Right. And can very much aid um, a quarterback and, and an offense. And then they said, oh, well, look where their offensive efficiency was. But yeah, Carolina didn't have a quarterback. They might right. have one of the best running backs in the world. They don't have a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, I agree. It doesn't matter what else you have, you're toast. But if you're trying to find a young quarterback, like, I don't know, Jared Stidham, and you don't have great receivers and tight ends, it might be nice to have a true running back to lean on, a guy that you know is going to maximize plays, be a playmaker. I don't think Sony Michelle is ever going to be that. So to me, the guy's Damian Harris. I, no idea. Absolutely no idea. I mean, he played five snaps. He had four right. carries. He was in two games. He two was games. a healthy scratch. Two games. Like, he looks the part. He's pretty jacked. Um, you know, had a couple thousand-yard seasons at Alabama in the SEC. But just because you're an Alabama running back doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good pro running back. There's been hits and misses there. Um, but to me on offense, if you get past the quarterback thing, which I don't even think a quarterback, I don't really think there's a debate or a competition or anything. It's, I don't either. The, the Brian Hoyer stuff to me is just, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't think, I, I, I think Bill understands where he's at with the position and needs just to go with Stidham and Hoyer's there. Hoyer's there in case of emergency. It's good to have, like right. Bill's always talked about having a backup plan. Like you need to do that. But I don't think he brought Brian Hoyer in to compete with Jared Stidham for the starting job. Heck, Stidham beat Hoyer out last year. That's the reason why they let Hoyer go. Right. I, this sounds mean. Like, I just have no interest in Brian Hoyer. No interest at all. No. Um, it's Stidham. It's always Stidham. So at running back, I can actually say, well, if Sony Michelle maybe has this big year three jump, he's a first-round pick, whatever, he was good in the right. postseason – or Damian Harris, like at least that's the question we asked a little bit last year. Like, what's the what is what's the harm in throwing Damian Harris out there? Are they afraid that he's going to be better than Sony Michelle, and that looks you know bad for Bill and the Patriots? 
and I do think Bill likes him and defends him. We noted that all last year when he would say, you know, maybe if we blocked it a little bit better and Sony Max, you know, did a good job, whatever. I don't know if that's a personal pick thing where he maybe was the guy that really championed for it, whatever. But I, I'm sorry, the ship has sailed on that. You, you, you have no offense. You have no offense at all. So you need to put the best running back on the field. You can't right. prove a point or stick with a guy longer because whatever. Um, and if Damian Harris is better and Damian Harris, you think, can be productive, then Damian Harris better be active and on the field. Or I would even say Bill's other guy, Rex Burkhead. If you just think Rex Burkhead's better, put Rex Burkhead out there until he breaks. Those he probably break. It's an injury concern with him, but right. throw him out there until that happens. Because you could definitely argue he's the best all-around player in the group yes. um, in terms of pass catching, running, the whole thing, you know, the jump cuts in the backfield. He's productive. So I think that might be the most interesting competition on offense. Well, I guess while we're on the Harris subject, he wasn't active last year on game days because they don't really have a roster spot for him. Nothing's really changed in the position. Like, how is he active on game days? Like, are you going to carry five active running backs? No, but I mean, some of that, like Brandon Bolden could get cut at any time and True. not be the backup running back. Now, Harris hasn't shown ability on special teams. Maybe he could add that to his game. I, Yeah, I mean, as the rosters sort of play out, I just think you need to give him a chance. Or what's the point? Like, or just cut him. Like, right. if not good, just cut him. Don't waste a roster spot on him. Um, I find that hard to believe they would do without ever seeing what he actually could do on an NFL football field. Yeah. Yeah. Giving him regular season reps, at least a few chances that would seem alarmingly fast and alarmingly unfair. It doesn't really seem like the case. I mean, I know there are some theories last year why he wasn't on the field, but I, I think by and large, he's well-respected in the building and it's not like a character issue. Right. So I, that would stun me. So more likely, I mean, some people have looked at um, Burkhead as a possible cut to save money and, do some cap things. And if this is truly a bridge year, like if they're truly treating it as a bridge year, then he's a you guy can argue that he's like, there's no value in Rex Burkhead. Like what do you like? He's same good. With, same thing with Brandon Bolden. Right. So move on from those guys, give young guys a chance. And like a guy like Bolden doesn't mean you have to have another running back play special teams. That could be a safety. That could be a linebacker filling that role, whatever could be, you know, Dan Vitale. If he makes the team or one of those, Jakob Johnson, one of those guys, a tight end. Right, right. So in terms of those positional previews that I've done so far, quarterback, running back, tight end, I think the running back's the most interesting because quarterback, it's Stidham. Tight end, it's Asiasi, like the young guys, but he's the guy that I think has any chance to be maybe an impact regular guy. I'm dubious. Like he's a third round pick and he has one year of college production. We'll see. But other than that, okay, Matt Lacoste might get another chance. whoop de doo Like what's he going to be? Um you know, I'm not overly positive about all these competitions and depth yeah. chart. Uh, another, I wrote a column today basically saying that this is Bill Belichick's kind of team in 2020, noting the obviously, you know, no longer Brady. So they're not no longer the favorites, the, the underdogs again. Um, the, a lot of guys that they brought in are versatile. They could play different positions. They don't really bring in any stars this offseason, but you draft the guy like Kyle Duggar who could play all over the place. The Uche, Jennings, sort of the same thing. They're versatile. Keen at tight end. He's a tight end, but he lines up in the backfield. So just – and then obviously defense being the sort of the, the bigger unit this year. This seems like a Bill Belichick kind of team that he prefers, prefers to have and rather than having the old teams where they'd score 30 points in order to win games. Yeah, see, well, I mean, I agree. He likes these 
um, hardworking, one to 53, blah, blah, blah teams. We'll see if he likes it if they're, I don't know. Competitive? Yeah, five and eight at some point or whatever. Um, but I think he likes that mentality of open competition, roles you know, far from decided, um, a lot of players with versatility, something to prove. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that, but there's also a lot to be said. He, he should want to win football games, and you know, just because you like it, scrappy, oh, scrappy is great until you're crappy. You drop the S and you're right. just crappy. Um, that's a good line. I should put that in a column you should. somewhere. You should. Scrappy um, is great until you're crappy. <laughs> but, I mean, I also think, too, like he himself has a lot to prove, too. I'm sure he wants to prove to the world that he can win without Brady. And so I think this year – I think has him maybe more excited than maybe some other years. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. And it'll be interesting because he's lost the opportunity to work with a lot of these guys. I mean, obviously the type of team you described the scrappy newcomers, blah, 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 a lot to prove. You'd like to have as much time as possible for that yep. competition to unfold. You're not going to have as much time. You don't have as much time teaching all the newcomers, the rookies, you don't have the joint practices to really. Which I think is actually an under talked about subject, especially like for Stidham. Like just think about how many reps you get in those joint practices, like right. way more than preseason games could ever do. So and yep. controlled reps where right. it's like, I want to see how he reacts to this blitz. I want to see how he reacts to this coverage. I want to like, there, there's something to be said for that. Whereas you don't have as much control of that in preseason action. Now it wouldn't put, it wouldn't be, um, unheard of for Bill and Matt Patricia to talk about the games and say, listen, I need to see him in this. We won't take it full advantage. Or uh, My guess is that preseason game against the Lions will be somewhat scripted. Like a glorified joint practice? No question. I think that will be a almost like a, a college spring game or like where the, the coaches are controlling some of the action. They're competing, but they want to see some things. I, my guess is that'll be that way because of the lack of joint practices. But the bigger point is, I think you're right, there's a lot of competition. You're right, there's a lot of guys with a lot to prove, versatile guys, and there's not as much time and opportunity for them to do that, which means, don't know if you've heard, September's an extension of the preseason at times. Of I don't course. Know, but I don't know if you have that luxury this year with Tom Brady no longer at quarterback, and you're no longer building towards Thanksgiving. You kind of Those games in September are equally as important, more so than they, past games. They're very important. But I'm not sure it'll be a luxury or just a necessity where they'll still be teaching and there'll still be more to teach and more to do. Um, because you look at this roster, it's, it's weird in that it's old in a lot of areas. You still have your core of players that are really getting kind of old. And then you have a lot of questions, a lot of young players, a lot of newcomers. It's like there's no happy medium in the middle where you have this, you know, middle of their career but established kind of guys. Those are few and far between on the roster. So – yeah, they're going to be a work in, work in progress, I feel like, will be a term in a lot of areas, a lot of levels this year for the Patriots. Julian Edelman's a guy that we haven't really talked about much this offseason, but I think should be. And you wrote a column just published right now on the website sort of about his role and, like, can you count on him too much? And I think that's sort of a, going to be a storyline over the course of the offseason and into the season is, like, just how much can you expect from him because he's getting so much older and has taken so many hits over the years. Yeah, I don't think you can expect as much um, with him for a lot of reasons. He's 34, um, battled injuries last year, um, has a new quarterback uh, with 
probably Jared Stidham that he has to build a rapport with, doesn't have Brady, that comfort level. Um, and, and, you know, comparing the numbers, like a guy like Wes Welker, who was basically out of football by this time and had the concussions and fell off the map at 32, 33. And, you know, just the reality that even if he's still pretty good, defenses know that. Like, defenses know that they don't have anybody else to worry about yep. for now. I mean, okay, maybe you can get Sanu or Harry or any of those guys to step up, but if you're a defense, you start with saying, no, I'm not letting Julian Edelman beat me. I'm not, you know, you may try to beat me with Matt Lacoste or Devin Asiasi or James White. I'm going to start with uh, Julian Edelman. And to me, it's just unfair to say he's 34, taking a million hits, has a new quarterback, no one else around him. Julian, lead us to the promised land. Go catch 100 balls for 11, 1,200 yards. And, you know, that kind of, that's one area that I think is obvious. It's not fair to ask him to do all that. But then you get into, you know, where does he even rank at this point as, as a central figure of an offense? And, you know, you said top 10 on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we debated that. To me, there's no chance he's top 10. Barely a chance that he's top 20 at this point, with, especially if you consider just weapons. If you well, include, like, tight ends at all, then he's not even sniffing the top 20. Right. But I'm also – my – statement was a soup was like sort of with him having Brady as his quarterback. Like, no, you said it two weeks ago. Brady was gone already, but like I'm going off of his past performance and his past performance had Brady as quarterback. Like it's obviously going to be different with Stidham as his quarterback. Well, in theory, he could get more chances. He could be the guy volume, volume, volume. Yeah, but he's not going to have the same chemistry. And, and like you said, I think teams are actually going to get smarter when they play the Patriots and just double team Edelman. Like we saw for years, they were just refused to do that. And right. that's why, you know, Brady and him were so good. Um, but I, I still think he's, I guess, with Stidham as his quarterback and playmaking ability, he's probably in that 20-ish range. But to your point, though, like teams can negate that just by putting two guys on him every play. Right. And well, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he's because I, I posted in the story that picture of him working out in the bubble. Like he looks like he's in great shape. He's working hard, but that's never going to be the thing with him. He's, you know, a tireless worker, tough, toughest, toughest guys in the league as they come. Um, right. But can he get open and catch the football? We'll see. Right. Like, sure, he can play every game, but we saw last year there are some games where he was basically a decoy. Right. I also think he's going to ride, and I didn't get into this in the column because it might be a separate column since, you know, we're divvying things up. The, the emotional side, like how is he going to handle struggles personally, struggles as a team, no Tom Brady, the quarterback's not that good. Yep. You know, all of those issues are going to wear on him. I would, and I, I've said this openly, I would sulk if I were him. Like Tom Brady's gone, Gronk's playing down there. What, you know, how good are we going to be? Like, like just, it's going to, for him personally, like imagine, you know, getting your ass kicked, losing to the Raiders at home, and then going home at night watching Brady and Tampa light it up against whatever team and those guys having the time of their lives. Right. So I, I think he's going to face real emotional challenges and frustrations this year. It'll be interesting to see how he deals with it too because he can be moody. moody. Yeah. Yeah. See, I guess we agree on the word. It's accurate. Um, but definitely moody and even through all the other stuff, you know, what will it be like if his catches are down? He's the focal point of – he's a little banged up in, you know, early October. Maybe they're, you know, have a losing record or whatever. He's like, gonna it, be, it couldn't even get to a point where he doesn't push as hard to get, stay on the field. Like, if there's a week that he's really hurting, 
he might not push to get out there to play with Jared Stidham, where last year he probably would to play with Tom Brady. Right. So I think he faces a lot of questions this season, both physically, mentally, production-wise, what he can do. I don't think it's going to be an easy year, and quite frankly, I don't think it's going to be a great year for him. I think the numbers will be down, the wins will be down, the, everything will be down, and you know, you'll start to say, oh, well, I guess he was just the, you know, the product of the slot position with Brady and all that, which probably isn't fair because he's 34. They all get old. It's not fair to him. I even wrote in the column, like, to me, the year he had a year ago with 100 catches, 1,100 yards, JE11, like, that's as impressive as Tom Brady playing at 40 or whatever. At quarter. Totally agree. Like, he gets the absolute schnookers kicked out of him all the time. Not like, oh, I stand in the pocket. No one's allowed to hit me and I'll right. throw. So he's had a very impressive career, very impressive season a year ago. But I think it's a little unfa- unfair to expect that to continue in 2020. Uh, before we wrap up this podcast, we, we got a note on Twitter last night about us being on Spotify. We're not going to be on Spotify. This is a company-wide mandate. We're never going to be on Spotify. For whatever reason, Entercom views it as a competition or something like that, we were told. So out of our control, sorry, we won't, we won't be on Spotify. Yeah, it's a two-phased um, answer that we should paste somewhere. No, you can't read our stories if you're not in the U.S., you're in Europe, whatever, on weei.com. And no, we're not going to be on Spotify. These are corporate decisions. They're way above our pay grade. We do our best to get our content to you as best we can. Um, I, I mean, the podcast thing, if you want to listen to us, we're available in enough places. You can, you can find us. Right. The, the actual text articles on weei.com and not being able to click on those in Europe and everywhere, that's unfortunate. I don't know what to tell you. I apologize. I will say we do try to do a decent job bringing our written content to the podcast. So. If you're a fan of our content or our work, you can hear us talk about it on the podcast. So download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, however you get it, Apple Podcasts, whatever. And while you're there, feel free to leave a uh, review. Some of them are very mean. I read them the other day. Some were not very nice. Some recent ones? I don't know. They were just hurtful. You know. Well, we do appreciate all of our listeners. I mean, I, we got our, I just read to you before you know this, some recent numbers from our podcast. People are still listening. So we appreciate our loyal listeners, everyone that's out there that still continues to listen throughout the off season with really not much going on. But we try to give you something to, to listen to. And something to talk about. And if it spurs anything with you, spurs. Yeah. Is that the word? yeah. Uh, you can obviously interact with us on the Twitter handle at OffDayPod. Or individual Twitters is probably a better way to get at us. Yeah, because it seems like whoever's taken over the uh, off-day pod handle doesn't really use it enough. I don't know who that could be. Could be. Hey, we just use it for our polls and for our podcast. I, I like to okay. keep, it, keep it condensed. So, yeah, at Jumbo Hart, what the hell's your handle? Just my name, Ryan Hannibal. At Ryan Hannibal. Interact with us. Ask us questions. If we get enough questions, we'll bring back the mailbag. You know, because we don't really ask for questions anymore, which is... So if you do have questions for the next time, just shoot them at us. We'll make a note and save them, and we'll, we'll get to them, because who knows? We might actually need the content next week. Um, I know, and I'm pretty sure we will need the content moving forward. There's not a whole hell of a lot going on. I did go fishing today, though, and caught some nice fish, so... Good. Got up nice and early. About that. Huh? You got up nice and early for that. Got up at 4.45. Wow. We were out on the boat by just after 6.00. We were landing fish by, I don't know, 6.30, 6.45, and then we were back buying donuts by like 9.45, so it was nice. Wow. Did you keep any? No, we didn't catch any you're keepers. You're not allowed to. What's the rule? 
Um, no, there you can. We could have kept a couple, but we were looking. We wanted stripers, uh, striped bass, and we caught like ten or twelve striped bass, and they were all close. They got to be twenty, I believe, between twenty-seven and thirty-five inches. Yeah, and we caught a bunch of like twenty-three, twenty-four. Um, which in my past life would have qualified as a keeper. I would have snuck it home, but yep. I was legal and did everything by the book today. Just in case somebody came along and checked in on things. You don't yeah. Want plus when we were catching them early, we weren't sure how long we were going to be out there. So I didn't want to keep anything. If it had been right at the end, I might've zipped yep. on in, in the boat with it and filleted it and eaten it. But um, no, it was a fun day. It's beautiful. The weather is coming together. I will say we don't have sports, but the weather is really starting to come together for us here in Boston. Sure, and sure is. What's your latest uh, Little League, up? not Little League, but baseball update? Uh, looks like we're going to be giving it a shot. Um, I talked to some one of the people at the board. They're looking at mid to late June. They forwarded me all the um, guidelines from the state of Massachusetts. I read through those. Some of the biggest, they're going to limit it to one parent per child, one guardian per child. We talked about that. That's yeah, tough. Stupid. I'm hoping by the time you reach actual games, it won't be limited to that. This is the phase two, which will just be practices. Right. Um, the other issue that's really vague is they continue to say groups of 10, which a baseball team usually has 12, 12 plus a couple coaches. So you're usually up around 14, 15 people. It says multiple groups can share fields as long as they're separated. So I don't know if you're going to have to have like technically a coach go without fielders with six people and then break up. Because the way I look at it, if you do BP, you got one guy in the box. Sometimes you go double barrel, you got two, and then you got everybody else spread out over the field. Should be fine. And even if you do infield, outfield, you know, baseball apparently everybody's spread out. Yep. Yeah, you can't have runners and you know hold people on and do some of that stuff. But you know that'll come. And then the other thing is, sounds like it's going to be a pain in the ass. I don't know if it'll be for the coaches like us or for the league, but you have to have contact information for every parent or guardian that comes to the field for like contact uh, tracing stuff contact tracing if you know so if somebody gets it you'd have to be able to call all those and you know it's not always the same parent not always the you know it could be a grandmother right, could be a neighbor right, drop right. somebody whatever and then the other um the practices you know traditionally you have usually an hour and a half practice for our town it's you know 8 30 to 10 10 o'clock the next team comes yep i think they're gonna have to have like 15 minute windows of spacing so that the field is completely cleared from one team Right. They're all gone home and then the other team shows up. But I'm being positive. It sounds like we're moving in the right direction. Maybe we'll have practices in a couple of weeks, games hopefully by early July I'll yep. target. And I don't know. I'll take what I can get at this point. Things are definitely trying in the right direction. I actually went out to dinner the other night in New Hampshire. Well, you say that and then I read these retweets like the state of Florida has the largest cases. Yeah, I, they've saw had. That. I saw that tweet too. And I, part of me wonders is because they're just testing more. Well, they are. And then I know Massachusetts even started including probable cases. Yeah, probable cases. So the numbers look higher, which I'm always dubious of when they decide midstream to change their stats and how they it's like they're trying to fudge the numbers. They're trying to pro football focus it on us. And I don't really like it. Right. Um, I guess we'll talk more about this stuff as the weeks go on because there's nothing else to talk about. So, yep, I'll try to have a good fish story for next episode. There we go. All right. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Peace out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.